0: This is the SFF Audio Podcast. Hi, I'm Jesse. Hello, I'm Terrence. And I am the one they call Fred. Yes, you are. I'm Fred. uh, Oh, we're going to talk about a a book, a novel, called uh, Torch Ship... By Carl Gallagher. Is it Jay Gallagher? Or am I uh, K is K, it? K, Carl? okay No. I don't know. I th- I, th- I, I think it might be K. K yeah, yeah. I was right. I think it's Carl. K. K. Yeah, I don't Gallagher. think that's in the audiobook art. Um, but maybe maybe there was a problem with another Carl Gallagher. Um and you suggested this book just out of the blue. Um, and it's a modern book, like written in this decade, which is always a mistake. <laughs> Um, but, uh, it wasn't so bad actually. Yeah. I, I kind (laughs) of liked it. Yes, You didn't expect it. You didn't expect it to be a Jesse book. Uh, well, I know that, you know, my tastes are pretty limited. I have a, a short range in between things, but there's some good stuff in here. Right. Yeah.
1: And, and frankly, uh, what I picked up is that, uh, the author Carl's, uh, tastes are, are similarly limited but not uh, not a big overlap with yours so we that's something well, we can some, talk
0: about. there's some for sure um but uh maybe we should get the elephant out of the room i'm gonna see if uh, terrence can tell tell us what the elephant is because if you if if he he knows even less about it than i do right um all you know is that jesse suggested <laughs> it <laughs> um what what is the inspiration for this book what do you think terrence what is the inspiration for it? Yes, like, why, why is the author it the- writing it? Uh, other than, you know, I want to be a writer and maybe be a make a living at it, ha-ha, sort of thing. <laughs> is, is he coming back to the real
2: values of real science fiction and hard science fiction and um, getting away from the diversity bullshit and going
0: back to the origins? Is that what he's doing? I think that's definitely part of it, although I don't know if that's a conscious effort rather than just a particular interest. You know, like, uh, uh, I'm going to show them. <laughs> it's more like, I love this stuff. Um, but uh, no, I was thinking just like, it, you heard the intro music and basically the plot and, and the episodic it's nature. Star Trek. No. And Firefly. Firefly. And the Expanse. Pr- well, I haven't seen much of The Expanse but or read the books. But uh, definitely, definitely Firefly. (laughs) In that, Uh I mean, there's, there's, um, it's almost like uh, Firefly fan fiction, but the thing is, is, it's quite different in many respects. And in a certain sense, Firefly is worse, um, in every respect as at doing science fiction than uh. Yeah, Firefly is fantasy,
2: and it's also television.
0: Yeah, and you know. Like, hard, hard SF in television, does it exist? <laughs>
2: I'm
0: not sure. Um, but but like this is a hard SF to.
2: book at all. It's, it's it's a hard engineering book, but it's not hard science, is it? Yeah,
1: well... Well, the, 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 the c- FTL is a big um, uh, deviation from what you would normally think of as hard sci- sci-fi.
0: Yeah, but you can have that. You can have one thing, right? Um, mm-hmm. I, I would still
1: put
2: it more more on the hard side of
0: science. But history. it's hard, yes. But it's not
2: hard science. It's hard. It's hard engineering with a yes. a fantasy um, firefly um, overlay of, of being able to navigate uh, uh, a spaceship by the seat of your pants, which is quite ridiculous when you've got rings and asteroids and uh, pointy ice uh, far sub <laughs> zero temperatures. That's that almost made me want to stop
0: reading it. Uh so yeah, the thing is is it sounds like bullshit but actually, you know, I'm I'm a big believer in in the human brain and the ability to learn shit. So sailors mm, no nah, not, sailors not, not can do a lot of we're, shit. We're not adapted. We're should,
2: not should, adapted. We give
1: an, uh, should we give an explanation to our audience you, so they go know. For it. Well, yeah. Um in this uh in car the world that Carl has imagined. There are about a dozen star systems that are linked by um, interdimensional gates. And um, so they've been uh, colonized. But then the Earth and the world, about a half dozen worlds closest to the Earth, were taken over by AIs. So this is also, among other things, a gray goo story. mm mm-hmm where uh the machines uh have become sophisticated enough to replicate themselves to teach themselves and then they take over and run amok uh so uh, there was there was an apocalypse in the past in the story the, betrayal. Where every, yeah. you know, the, the betrayer every the portrayer the portrayal were betrayer worlds are those where all the humans were killed and are now under the control of the of the robots, basically. Mm-hmm. And then there's the fusion. The next uh, the 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 worlds are sort of strung out in a in a in a network. So you can only jump from world A to world B if there's a gate set up between them. So it's it's kind of linked in a chain. And so there's a group of worlds near Earth. Which are all under the Betrayer system. Then there's a group of worlds in the middle, which are under the control of the Fusion. And the Fusion is the is the uh, system that believes that in order to survive, they need a high degree of governmental control. And then at the other end, you have the let me check my notes. Check my notes here. The disconnect. Mm-hmm. The disconnect, which is the more libertarian. Uh, I said a dozen worlds total, but it's a little more than that. There's also the TFS. Okay. There's at least two systems under under TFS control. And I didn't remember or pick up what that was, did it? Terraforming and the
2: S Padano. Oh, mm-hmm. Terraforming yeah. Society. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. terraforming system, terraformed systems. Right, good.
1: So, um, because the torch ship uh, of the title is a ship from the um, from the um, disconnect, they try to protect themselves from the AIs by s- severely limiting the amount of computers they use at all. So mm-hmm. it's like the Butlerian Jihad mm-hmm. minus the Mentats. Uh, well, uh, they, see, they that's, sort
0: of, that's sort
2: of that's the
0: that's the the engineers who are so yeah. good at with the slipstick that right. uh, <laughs>
2: so, <you> know, these, <laughs> on, on the instinct. torch ship
1: they're literally flying their ship with slide
0: rules. Yes,
1: and that's the piece of information I thought the audience would want to hear. So that's that's my explanation. definitely
0: definitely. Um, now you're calling them uh, more libertarian. Um, which I think is pretty funny because, um, they're still governments. <laughs> they're planetary governments. Um, and in the sense that, uh, we find out at the end of the book that basically everybody has been already working for the military. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Not really all that libertarian. But the thing is, is, um, libertarianism is a really strange phenomenon that uh, it's very hard to understand, I think, unless mm. You are very close to the United States. So I we haven't ever talked about libertarianism, uh, Terrence, I don't think, you and I. But you may know I uh, – you've listened to a lot of my podcasts, so you might have heard me talking about it before. Fred, have we ever talked about it? I'm sure we I have. I don't recall that.
1: I, I remember you uh, doing a show on a re- really interesting – uh, sounding book called
0: The Unincorporated Band. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I did a nice. show on it, but I'm sure I've talked about it. I did reviews of it, I think. All right. But Maybe yeah, it was just a, review. That's another Prometheus award. And I award. know that you,
1: you complained that it was poorly written, but I thought the concept, the premise, was just really it's compelling. Yeah, and absolutely. we could compare this book to that one uh, if you wanted to spend some time yeah. going off in that direction.
0: Have you read? Have you read that book? Um, Terrence? No, no, okay. I It's a good book. Well, I, I'm I'm vaguely
2: familiar with with its concept.
0: Yeah, the concepts, the the cool part, because I, actually it's it's one of the oldest uh, tropes in SF, which is guy from the past falls asleep, is frozen, etc., wakes up in the future. I mean, this is this Buck Rogers scenario, right? That everybody's familiar with. But um, yeah. there's a Heinlein novel that does that. His first novel that you know, later got re released. Re- relatively. Citizen of the galaxy. Was that Citizen of the get? galaxy doesn't have that, but that has, there's a lot of Heinlein. Oh, I'm sorry. Book. Yeah. I'm sorry. I was,
1: wasn't paying attention. Yeah, go ahead.
0: Uh, no, no, it's, um, uh, I'm trying to remember the name of it
1: where somebody falls asleep and then wakes up. Yes. And I'm trying to, I actually haven't read that one. It's, it's the like, it was door really- into summer might have one of the, one of the subplots might involve that.
0: Uh, Yeah. Um, there's a movie, um, a very, very funny and good to watch science fiction comedy from the thirties called Just Imagine. I, uh, when I found out about it, I, I, sent it to my friend Eric and, uh, he was delighted by it. Um, I was delighted by it too. It's, it's a comedy set in a dystopian future in which, uh, you know, everybody has a, uh, you know, string of characters as their name. Yeah, letters and numbers um but it's also a romance and uh it's got flying it's it has it's a musical which is <laughs> just ridiculous um uh-huh. and really enjoyable but it it has that trope the main character is somebody who's or one of the characters is somebody who woke up in the future having been frozen there's a um uh is it marching morons is that how it starts i think that's yeah marching morons yes, that yes. and so does um So does the, the idiocracy movie, right?
1: Mm.
0: Oh no. Is it? Yeah. Idiocracy. Yeah. That's the one. It's basically the marching morons. Anyways, uh, this is a a trope where people wake up in the future and everything's different and we're introduced to it. And that, that I've done a number of podcasts that have similar premises. There's a fantasy novel. Uh, well, it's not a fantasy novel. It's just a, a fantasy explanation. He sort of dreams himself into the future. Um, and uh so yeah, it if if anybody hasn't read that book, they should definitely read it. This is quite different, but you can see why libertarians like it. <laughs> I think. But uh what what's your take on libertarianism, Terence, cuz uh y- being not from the United States, not from uh right beside where libertarianism I think is probably at its most popular anywhere other than, you know, amongst the billionaire jet set uh planetary you know citizens uh i think the united states is the place where it is most popular i mean they have a couple of uh, rand paul and uh the other rand uh, or ron paul ron and rand paul right were actually libertarians elected to the government which is um. i don't think it has happened to anywhere else in the world you know Do do you have a take on uh, libertarianism and uh, comprehension of why it's popular?
2: No, I don't know anything much about it. It always seems uh, contradictory to me because there's this um, concern with um, freedom. So it's sort of like um, one strand of anarchism. Mm. And at the same time, um, accepting... uh, Capitalist uh, Darwinian type of mm-hmm. ideology, which um, isn't really uh, freedom oriented, as far as I'm
0: concerned. You're right. <laughs> um, but uh, Fred, you you grew up in the states, right? That's right. Okay, so you must have a better comprehension of what's going on. Would you? You wouldn't describe yourself as a libertarian, I don't think, do, would you? I. Um, I mean, everybody at times I have at times I have
1: leaned that way, but as uh, for example, uh, in the state of Michigan, here we recently had a referendum on uh, marijuana legalization, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and of course, drug use. They they laugh because when it comes to like getting like getting people to actually come out and vote and donate and knock on doors for the cause of libertarianism, it's almost always drug legal liberalization <laughs> that really motivates people. Oh, yeah, man. I'm right there. Yeah. So um, I found myself hesitating, even though I think of myself as leaning libert- libertarian, I was hesitant uh, to vote in favor because of some of the new... Uh, uh, they're starting to talk about Uh, marijuana and it's it's becoming more debated in the United States now and the question of whether you know do we really understand the link possible link between marijuana use and mental illness or Mm. um, is is the Modern strains of marijuana is just so much more potent, so that we have a lot of baby boomers with nostalgia.
0: That's why you need regulation, <laughs> government yeah. regulation. <laughs> yeah, so
2: yeah, it doesn't um, in, fit with
0: libertarianism. To uh, I'm be going to the Amsterdam collective.
2: next week. Okay, uh, in ten days. Well,
0: uh, th- my point is,
1: I realize that I'm really not a libertarian. I'm more of a subsidiarian What's that? Uh, type <laughs> of thinker. In other words, I want the power to be invested in the local governments. I want, if I'm mad about some law, I want to be able to drive three miles, mm. the guy who wrote the law and be able to knock on his door oh, God. and uh, browbeat him face to face, you know, that kind of thing. So, um, I'm more, I, I, I am very suspicious of power. Always central, the centralizing tendency of power okay. is, is my big, uh, uh, issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that informs a lot of my political thinking, but yeah, um, but it's that's not the same as libertarianism. Although, like uh, people like me, find ourselves making common cause with libertarians a lot because mm-hmm. the central government is is the source of most of the the problems that libertarians have. Mm-hmm. So that that's all the political. I'm not particularly interested in debating it, but that no, no,
0: I I, no. But see, the thing is, is I, you know, growing up right beside the United States with its culture infused and, you know, online debates with Americans all day long, who assume you're, you know, like them an American. um, (laughs) It, it, I think I have a pretty good grasp of it. And, you know, I've read some Ayn Rand books (laughs) or Ayn Rand, however it's pronounced. Yeah. Um, And, you know, there, I think libertarianism or the seeds for it are baked into the United States in a way that they aren't baked into any other country, really.
1: That's really true. And in fact, at the time of the American Revolution, there was a sorting going on so that.
0: Yes, the sorting uh, had sent the Whigs one way. And the yeah. Or Tories another, uh, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. So, um, so that you, Canada, and the United States, similar in so many ways. And yet uh, there is that, you know, it life liberty and the pursuit of happiness in the united states yeah. you know in what it canada, canada it's what something something in good government that's right, right.
0: peace order and good government yes yeah yeah exactly okay there you go but, but the thing is is if there's a country that is as much like the united states out there you know if it has a twin it is actually france in my view and that's why they hate each other so much. That's an interesting point. They're mirrors, yeah. right? <laughs> that they both had these revolutions, and they 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 look at each other and say, "You're not the boss of me. I'm the king of the world. I've got the most liberty." <laughs> right? True. Um, there's uh, something to that. Yeah. They're, they're, <laughs> obviously, they, they it, it comes out in a different way, and they have unique histories and all that. But I don't think there's any major strain of libertarianism. I mean, you can describe certain aspects of, like, there is a libertarian party in Canada, but they're not on the like. I just voted yesterday. There was no uh, libertarian candidate. Right? There was no mm-hmm. party. Yeah. And so, uh, like, if you look across the country, you'll find lots of different parties, and libertarianism is libertarianism isn't one of them. It's it's just not here. In the same way. Now, the thing is, is you can describe certain aspects of uh, any particular party as being more or less libertarian, but this phenomenon is hard to understand unless you, you know, you see sort of the, yeah, the relationship I think the United States citizens have with their governments, their many levels of governments, right? The county government, city government, state government, federal government, and then <laughs> thinking like how it works in in Canada just it's just 3. So you've got at least 4, right? levels of government.
1: Um you're saying city, county,
0: state, federal? Right. Yes. So we've got we've got the national, right, federal. We've got provincial and municipal. Okay. And the municipal is subservient to the the provincial and the provincial is subservient to the the national. But mm-hmm. in the States, right, you've got, like, you're talking about Michigan, maybe considering doing some marijuana law change. Well, California. Yeah, it there. passed. It, it passed. Yeah, they, they passed. And um, in Canada, it was, you know, Justin waving his magic wand to <laughs> make, make all of Canada suddenly think marijuana is fine. And uh, by the way, on, in four days, edibles will be fine. Um, and there's pot shops opening up, you know, around. Mm-hmm. Magic Um, brownies just mean by that. That's correct, yes. And Uh, gummy bears and all those other things that the people who uh, partake will be buying at a store. So um, uh, what does this all have to do with Carl J. Gallagher's book? Um, My thinking is not a lot. I think that you can overlay your libertarian um, sort of philosophy on stuff, but what it reminded me most of is Heinlein and mm-hmm. Heinlein though, yes. not a libertarian is often sort of loved by, beloved by libertarians, I think. And
1: well, the moon is a harsh mission. Mich- the moon is a harsh mistress mm-hmm. is a
0: novel, which basically
1: retells the American revolution on the moon. And Indeed. it that is definitely, and the, the moon is controlled by this, you know, authority, which is, um, Cologne. brutish yeah. and s- stupid, and and all powerful and pervasive, and yeah. Um, so that's a great, uh, that's a great libertarian. Um,
0: <laughs> You're uh, overlaying that. I think I don't think the word well, comes up in the book. It feels. It certainly it feels very feel libertarian to agree. me. I agree with you. It does feel that way. You've read that one, Terrence, right? Yes. Everybody, everybody should read Mudas Harsh Mistress. Paul, uh, were he not in Nepal. Uh, might have some problems with, uh, recommending any, you know, just random Robert A. Heinlein book to the general public without lots of caveats. But, um, kind of, what I kind of like about this book is that, um, it felt uh, in the, in the good ways, not the bad ways, like a Heinlein book. It's yes. a, a little more episodic than I think a regular Heinlein book would be. Um, He's usually a little more focused. I I felt like I I, I have done absolutely no research on this, but I, it felt to me like he almost wrote this as episodes or short stories. I think stories. that is true. I yeah. don't know where I got that idea, but
1: I I think that's true. It, yeah.
0: I mean, it, it, I I noticed his press was not a well-known press. I'm looking on the. He doesn't have his own Wikipedia entry for this book, as far as I could tell, but there it did say his press was. um you know, it wasn't tour, or it was it was like a. And is it his wife who does the yes. narration? Yes, yes. Well, that's pretty impressive. Um, so maybe maybe he is living the libertarian lifestyle. He's got his own press. Celt uh, Haven Books is the name of the book company. Mm. Um, and it's uh, it says that it was not for Ship, but for three books: Torchship, uh, Ship Pilot, and Ship Captain. Um, this twenty eighteen. Book and I think there was maybe it was a 2016 copyright somewhere at the end. Maybe I'm wrong.
2: Yes, I think it was. I guess the award might have
0: came. Yeah. 2016. Yeah, so uh, I, it would not surprise me at all if if he, this guy's doing the modern uh, sort of publishing techniques, which is fuck the uh, industry and just do everything to make money. You know, put it on your website, yeah, ebook, I, generate it. You know. I'll put it we here, should put do it
1: the down. I'm sorry, we should do the full disclosure thing which the, is that I know Carl through a uh, writing group mm-hmm. uh, we meet once a month over uh skype so um i've that's the nature of uh, it. I, I, you know I don't know him outside of the group mm-hmm. um so it's not like we're close friends, but um you had discussed on on uh uh Twitter. That that you had noticed that this book existed in audio form, mm-hmm. uh, and that was what that was what prompted me then to say, "Hey, I know this guy. I would love to come on the show. Hmm. You want to read it? and and that's how that happened, if I remember okay.
0: well. I don't remember. I remember you bringing it up, but um, my memory is very bad. Or maybe it was someone telling you about the audio that's version. Possible. But, Although I yeah, did find the audio book and. Uh, and um i enjoyed it i thought it was actually pretty good um the, this is i i was thinking you know i i'm worried because i've got my friend fred and he's got uh if not a friend and a, a fellow colleague who he's going to have to talk to and then this is all going to be public right if i bitch to you in private it's not the same as bitching to you in public this is one of the reasons it's fun to talk about uh a story called the Elf Trap from you know 1912 <laughs> yeah. or whatever it is, because yeah. instead
2: of the the Fred
0: Trap, the Fred Trap is is a, yeah. For example, Fred, um, I noted that you had a short story out on a podcast lately. I, yes, and I listened to it and I thought, oh, this is actually pretty good. <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, I don't want to, I don't want to. Where's your, the link? Tweak your uh, it's uh, was. The story's called Rocket Raising, I think. And what's the name of the podcast?
1: The Untold Podcast. That's right, The Untold yeah. Podcast. Ah.
0: And I didn't realize until the very end that it's a Christian-based science fiction podcast, which uh, exists. Uh, they have existed before, but I didn't – I didn't. there's so many podcasts now I had no idea. Um, right. Which this story fits to, and it looks like you're a donor to at the end, end credits. Um That's and right. I I do have some complaints which I want to get to <laughs> about your book. Um or your sh- your story that is. Um Okay, the well one... we
1: hey, you know, Jesse, we we could devote an entire episode <laughs> yeah, that. to
0: my complaints I and, and it. then
1: you would you would have all the time you need to, well, to mostly, list all your complaints if you want to. You should have warned me.
0: I would have read it. Uh well, you still can. But my main complaint is just that the narrator uh, adds sound effects when they're already baked into the text.
1: Oh yeah. Well, not a, I actually
0: enjoyed that a lot though.
1: And <laughs> I really it's it's very flattering cuz he he did he does put a lot of
0: time into that. He he put and, that, he, he did a good job of the narration and he sh- should not do that to audiobooks. There are a, a, a number <laughs> of people who think that, you know, it improves it somehow, but it doesn't.
1: <laughs> well, I I, I, can I lay down the I, law I, here. Well, I, I enjoyed the sound effects.
0: They, <laughs> you're allowed to, uh,
1: but we can, we let's, well, I, you, you wouldn't let me on the show when you discuss it. So, uh, uh, but I would, I would just say I enjoyed the sound effects. A you're lot. allowed, you're allowed to, enjoy. even the goofy ones, like the computer, like the, you know, I don't know. There was a
0: rap the at the door or whatever. And he, he does the rap right after or before the, where it says there was a rap at the door. Oh yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> um other than that, it was a pretty good, pretty good episode. Um, and I was th- I was thinking about uh, like I was thinking that here's what I want to describe it to you as Terrence. It's basically it's Amish uh, science fiction with. Um, <laughs> uh, I, it, it felt to me like the first episode of a, of Kieran Yaga by Mike Resnick. If you've read that, um, no, I haven't read it, but I
2: really know about it.
0: Yeah, it's
1: a it's and, an Amish romance in space. Yeah, space, So space low
2: tech, despite being in space. Yes. Well, it's a mixture, and that's that's one of the things. Since
1: I live in a, near Amish country mm-hmm. here, I what thought you find might about is that uh, every Amish. Amish community has uh, different rules and they're very specific rules about when you may and may not use technology. That's right. So, uh, for example, Amish tend to be earlier adopters of of uh, certain technology like uh, solar panels.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, if if they if if um if they have a business and they need to use a phone, then they'll have the the phone will be in the barn and they'll have that the phone will be charged with solar panels. Mm-hmm. For example, that's not unusual in Amish communities. So that's part of the part of the idea that I was bringing out in the story. Yep. But anyway,
0: no, we I, didn't. We're I, not here to discuss that story, though. Well, but, no, uh, but uh, I think it's interesting. So, like, I was thinking, you know, you know that that book, right? Karen Yaga, the it's a fixed. I don't up know. Oh, I dude, know you should know. check it out. Karen Yaga, Mike Resnick is, um, he's a dangerous science fiction writer for me because uh, I think he might've died recently. Um, maybe not, maybe that was a couple of years ago or maybe, uh, maybe still alive. Anyways, um, he, uh, I think he was sick. Maybe there was some sort of, uh, one of those fundraisers, online fundraisers, uh, that having no, uh, Correct government <laughs> gets you uh, when you get sick. Um, anyways, um, this book, Kirin is a fix-up. It's a whole bunch of short stories um, that are set on a f- uh, future asteroid, kind of like what you've got in your story. Um, but the people are from Kenya. They're Kikuyu. Um, and they are deliberately trying to avoid the use of technologies that would be unavailable pre pre contact with uh, the European empires. So they have a computer that they manage that the juju man, uh, you know, the the priest, um, uh, you know, make sure that they get the right amount of rain and that sort of thing to keep their their lions and their grassy savannas all mm. tuned. Um, but, uh, if somebody gets sick from a treatable disease, all he does is, you know, the traditional stuff, shake his, his magic stick and, you know, say the prayers and tell the parents to do certain things. And then the kid dies from a very treatable disease, right? Mm. Um, and the reason they do that is because they're trying to recreate, um, the golden period of pre-contact. Um, and it's a series of stories. In which you see this different aspects of the society, like, for example, um, girls are not allowed to become, uh, priests, right? Um, mm-hmm. and yet there's this girl who's really good at the things that need to be done, like reading and stuff that will be required to keep the society going. And so you see it kind of like a failed utopia over time. Um, and it's a, it's a delightful read, really, really powerful, um, and that's that's the sense I got from your your story is that yeah you're taking shit seriously, um and then yeah the rocket stuff is really not that important like how the slipstick calculations like at the beginning of every part of this book right uh, torch ship yeah a torch ship uh, there's a uh, tells us what the gravity or the pull of the G's are right in whatever mm-hmm, system right. or planet it is and that's a uh, i guess a kind of way of grounding us quote unquote right um and, and grounding it in science fiction um mike resnick is not he's more like uh george r r martin he doesn't really care that much about about the hard part he just right. cares he's just a writer you know uh but he loves science fiction and mike resnick has written a book series that uh i read i don't read series you know like uh, i just don't do it because mm-hmm. I find them a problem, but uh, Mike Resnick wrote a series of Starship books that I felt like this book could have been for me, you know, like and probably could be, except for the fact that now I I have to read a new book every week, so I don't have to. <laughs> but I read the entire Starship series, um, and uh, they were just super addictive, and there's absolutely no hardness in them at all. It's just. Uh, there's a galactic empire and the captain does a thing that rebels, you know, t- it's the right thing to do. And then basically goes rogue, right. And his whole crew is pirates and they fight a rebellion against the empire sort of thing. Um, almost told entirely through dialogue and character and, you know, whatever style, uh, spaceship battles, Napoleonic era, broadsides, etc. Um, he doesn't get into the specifics on it uh but we know that the captain is really good at you know doing his job and just like our heroes in here right like that's the difference is that this is not a Larry Niven book as much as it is a Heinlein meshed with Firefly book and it is really quite good and so I could totally see myself getting addicted to reading uh the next one Torchship Captain is it or Torchship Pilot and then Torchship Captain and uh, yeah, really breezy read, right? Oh yeah, yes. Did you hear? I uh, felt
1: the I felt um, the the momentum picking up about halfway when they uh, made the decision that they were going to take the incredibly risky trip to go back to Earth. Um, mm-hmm. And they have actually a couple of reasons for wanting to do that, and um, uh, the 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 cover story because. It, they're, they're going on a treasure hunting uh, expedition, but their cover story is that they're transporting some uh, religious, I guess you could call them cultists, who who have <laughs> uh, a belief that, that they can go back to Earth, which is under the control of the artificial intelligences and that'll be fine it'll be great the yeah. the ai will welcome them with open arms and uh, yeah, and i'm not joining uh, those cults every, for myself <laughs> no no yeah. every, everyone on ship regards these people as utterly delusional but their money is good so um, and it provides and they will be able to return assuming that they survived they'll be able to return and say that's why we went to earth was to to deliver these people um, and no one then will ask nosy questions about what treasure they for, from older that they had, had managed to pick up along the way.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so the, the risk, the rising tension is what what made me uh, want to keep, you know, uh, reading the book. You're and, reading uh, you're reading on uh, Kindle. Kindle, yes. yes. I was going to say, keep turning the pages, but that's... Well, keep clicking horrible. the Kindle button or whatever it is.
0: <laughs> <Yes>. And <laughs> uh, that's uh, when
1: I got really excited about the book, is uh, the risks. And also, uh, to me, this, this um, abandoned Earth scenario is a really compelling dystopia. And there are a number of, uh, you know, it's kind of like a subgenre of dystopia. And, of course, Firefly is one of those Mm -hmm. where they refer to the Earth that was. So that's just another way in which this book can be linked to Firefly. Mm -hmm. What were you going to say, Terrence?
2: Um, I got interested uh, when they took on the terraforming woman and they jumped through uh, hyperspace gate. So that introdu- introduced a, a little more complexity into the universe. And it was around about then that I gave up the audio because it was too slow and started uh, reading it on the Kindle because I found I could go faster. Mm.
0: So uh, 1.5 speed going at some points in the audio.
2: Yes, so, sometimes that's necessary. Yeah, you get used um, to it,
0: usually. You know, you uh, it reminded me of
2: Hyperion uh, there mm. with the... The the, yeah, the Hyperion Cantos, with the the Earth that was Dan uh, book.
0: supposedly destroyed by the big mistake. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the oh yeah, right. There is a uh, Philip K. Dick story, I'm blanking on the name, but they adapted it very badly to, um, to that Electric Dreams. Yeah, Electric Dreams. Um, what was where, it called? Uh, there's an old woman who uh, takes a pilgrimage to the Earth. Um, uh, and they don't even know if it is the Earth, but they find a, a Lincoln coin on it, so it's probably Earth, <laughs> right? Um, and it's just a toxic mess, right? Um, and then they turned it into a really terrible episode of, of that show. I, I don't remember the name of it, but it I'll, I'll put Impossible it in. Impossible Planet. That sounds exactly right. You are correct. That's Impossible okay. Planet. There's WALL-E, which is an abandoned mm-hmm. Earth.
1: Earth is, ter- is basically trashed.
0: Mm-hmm. And then WALL-E has that whole other plot which is uh, all the humans becoming fat because yes everything's automated and utterly dependent yeah yes. and which it, was, what were we just talking about um
1: oh yeah it's an idiocracy scenario
0: well even even worse than that um, yes there's the there's a story I think it's probably the most important science fiction story in a certain sense um, and it's Ooh. not thought of this that way I don't think I'm although uh, the people who've read it I think appreciate it it's em forsters the machine stops oh okay uh, yeah 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 which yeah. is so i think um i mean it describes basically our lives uh, at least spe- <laughs> specifically my life right um i'm down to one day a week right i theoretically have to leave the apartment <laughs> 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 now i do leave the apartment every day but i feel like i can go days without leaving right and uh-huh. And if yeah. I had uh a less thrifty lifestyle because of of uh you know a different disposition, you can have everything done. There was a product that was shown the other day on Twitter somewhere it's a garbage can that delivers itself to the curb right and it delivers itself uh, right, back, right? literally you don't even have to take the garbage out right. There Um, are
1: services that will mail gifts to your relatives on their birthdays. (laughs) Oh, definitely.
0: I mean, not just e-gifts, but actual, yeah. And you can set (laughs) it up to automatically. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. And once we get the UBI going, (laughs) when Andrew Yang is president, (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, you get UBI going, um, I'm sure there will be many, many. Uh, businesses that are trying to cater to just take a little tiny slice of that and solve, you know, 30% of household uh, duties so that we can concentrate on the important things, whatever the fuck those are. <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey, um, another abandoned oh, earth sorry story about swearing. Is,
0: is Seven <laughs> Eaves. Seven oh, men- mentioned Seven eaves I by real that. students. He's so, he's That's a, a great long story. Letter.
1: Yeah. And in that scenario, the earth isn't destroyed directly. The moon is destroyed. And then they have about two years before all the debris starts raining down and killing everyone. So they have a very short period of time to get as many human beings into orbit as possible. And that's fascinating. And they eventually do return to earth thousands of years later. But, um, yeah, I, I love, I, I there was a article, I was, Trying to research this, and I've been having weird um, Wi-Fi problems. Uh, so some websites load, were loading for me this morning and some not.
0: That's censorship. But, uh, you need more libertarianism. Yeah.
1: Well, it's weird because <laughs> streaming is fine. My As you can see, my Skype connection is fine. Yeah. I can watch all the Netflix I want. But sometimes images won't load uh, on my browser. So in any case,
0: uh, uh, we can there s- are – can troubleshoot yeah. that after I – I have some knowledge of how. Oh, that yeah, that would be great. Yeah,
1: um, because there are articles I've seen in the past that, that list these abandoned earth stories, mm-hmm. and many of them I haven't
0: read. But uh, oh, dude, there's so much now. And yeah, I, 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 how did, were you a part of the uh, as a part of the writing group? Were you a part of the um, construction of this book? or is that no in fact
1: i did not read i was not a beta reader at all it was already published oh, yeah. uh, um so i've read other things by carl
0: mhm well uh what what's the other stuff like cuz um uh, he's a good writer um, th- there are things carl. in here that i think uh are you know good stuff to watch sort of right yeah
1: i th- the first the thing that comes to mind is a a story he actually um I guess we didn't discuss it because it was already published, but he got a, a very short story published with every, I'm sorry, daily science fiction. I don't know if you're familiar with them, but that that's a nice, uh, um, market because they email free one free science fiction
0: story every day of the week. Yeah. I'm not and, the email guy, but, um, yeah, there's well, a lot they, of markets um, now for sure. Yeah.
1: And, um, so as a writer, it's great because their appetite is voracious. You know, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. five times 52 stories every year. is so what they're publishing, <laughs> but they do like really short stuff. So uh, they won't even look at it if it's over 1500. But wow. I've noticed that they tend to prefer a, like, uh, I, you know, stories maybe down around 500. So in fact, I just s- submitted a story to them. Uh, that was like 490 words long. Wow. And I, I'm i hopeful that I can finally break into that market. But, you can do it uh, in two tweets. You look up, what's that? <laughs> you can put it out in two
0: tweets, <laughs> almost. <laughs> yeah,
1: right. So uh, if you look up Carl's uh, story, I don't remember the title, but for uh, Daily Science Fiction, uh, it's a kind of an interesting fantasy, sci-fi kind of a thing. I remember there's... Well, I, I shouldn't summarize it because I have kind of forgotten the details. But um, that's a really well put together uh, story. You know, it's it's really hard to come up with something that's complete and meaningful in just a few hundred words.
0: So, well, I, I think the really the hard recommend. the hardest part, for, you know, for so uh, what I see in in this book, and I can because I want to, I, I have the urge but I'm going to suppress it to read the second book and the third book. Um, <laughs> uh, not because I'm trying to punish myself just because I, I have, I, I don't do series over and over, you know, like that. I, I can't really. And also I don't like it right after a certain point. I feel like I'm yep. eating the same cracker over and over again. Right. But um what I like about thinking like how it's constructed, I think, Well, he's developed this world and every time I think, oh, this is just another, you know, there's a romance scene or whatever. Um, he adds to the world enough that I, oh, yeah. See, they have the, they have a conversation at the, at the dinner table, right? About how there was a very Heinleinian scene. I think it was at the dinner table where they're talking about how the government, uh, of some, one of these disconnected world planets works. And basically it's, it's a hundred percent corrupt, right? The, the richer you oh, yeah. are the more you can become a senator right you can right. Become, you
1: literally buy that's a correct yeah. right
0: and the the thing is is um it's more honest right because <laughs> right you you're um i mean this is this is i think the uh, the next presidential election right is is going to have at least uh, there's push there's a push from bernie sanders right to uh, not take any corporate money so that I will not be the party from that. You know, he's not even right. a Democrat, right? So there is a push. And it, because he did that, other people are claiming to do that. Like um, Warren, right? She says, oh, I'm right. not taking money either. Oh, but well, that's just during the primary. But people are saying, yeah. And so in the general, oh, I'm going to definitely do it. Right? So that idea is, you know, who who owns you? controls right. you i think that that's a really cool debate and you know the british system for military and i think a lot of other countries too um you would buy your rank right right you'd you'd, right. Uh, you'd buy a major ship <laughs> you don't get promoted because of your your uh, skills and your yeah. you know you get promoted because you can afford it right he's a well, colonel that,
1: the whole the whole division of armies into officers and enlisted men is stems from, from class. Yes, divisions. absolutely. And so you, you know, if back in the old days, if you were an exceptionally gifted uh, enlisted man, then you became an, a non commissioned officer, and mm-hmm. you worked up that rank, and you can get pretty high. You know. Uh, without ever becoming a, you know, and you're theoretically outranked by the second lieutenants, Mm -hmm. you know, which I find just bizarre that 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 system has persisted. Um, Although I guess nowadays uh, it is easier to jump from the enlisted uh, ranks into the officer.
0: Yep, it is. But on the other hand, um, it's also hard, right, when you haven't had a you know you've had high school and you've had a shitty education in your high school yeah. um it's it's kind of hard to a lot of it is still class um i i've been watching this yeah. this uh show called carrier which was produced by i might have talked about it on the podcast or with terrence before um uh it's produced by mel gibson in 2005 six, seven, eight, 2008 i uh I think it came out for PBS it's life on the Nimitz um, over a seven month period during, you know, uh, 2005 Iraq war. And so you see every strata on the ship, including, you know, the guys who clean the toilets, uh, the captains and the Admiral who shows up every once in a while. And then uh, the guys who are, you know, doing the ropes except their cables. Right. And there's, yeah. And and you see all these aspects, and and he said, oh, "Damn, it's totally class based because if a lot of the people who are trying to you know make a career out of it, they're coming out of uh, terrible broken homes, right? And mm-hmm. and all the uh, the people who have, um, as you say, the uh, non commissioned officers, they are like they're the people who found a success in." in a place they otherwise couldn't find, but they're also getting paid way less than minimum wage and working way harder. Um, but on the other hand, they can possibly get an education if they get out of there and it isn't a rah, rah, uh, let's all go pro, uh, bomb Saddam. Although there are people who are into that. Um, it's, you know, we don't know what we're doing here. We're not sure if this is a good idea. Um, some people want to drop bombs and they're upset that they haven't got a chance and other people are, are, so it, it's, it's a big surprise to see, you know, what it, what this book turns out to be, right? Is, it, it, is what makes it so different from like Firefly is in Firefly. They really are, um, sort of the rebels against the government, right? Right. If, if you remember well, the ship, the Dortmunder, well, it shows up. There's a ship called Dortmunder, which I think is literary reference. Mm-hmm. Um, it they're basically officious evil empire um they're these guys are the firefly crew are acting as smugglers right
1: well they're fugitives
0: fugitive smugglers and rebels and former you know they lost the war and all that stuff um and they're on the side of good where when the navy shows up in the book here they're on the side of good too right the bad guys are basically one guy who goes crazy and, uh, AIs who we don't understand, who are, aka, that's, uh, the Carl Gallagher version of Reavers, right? Right. W- which are, were fun as well. Although I think AIs make a lot more sense and also fits, it fits the, uh, the slipstick, um, Heinleinian calculations, competency, porn sort of aspects of this book. Although it's less about competency uh, than it is about just, you know, being, Be a nice person. (laughs) Well, at one point um, after the big battle um,
1: or during the big battle, uh, somebody says, I want the Navy to beat the, you know, discussing whose side are we on? Right. And he says, I want the Navy to win, Mm -hmm. um, you know, have a costly victory. So, uh, you know, humans have to stick together, but. Uh, it would be great if the navy was significantly weakened when it was all over. Was their attitude? Mm-hmm.
0: There was uh, another shout out to sort of modern uh, thing that I was reminded of. I don't. I I assume that that's what was going for it. Was you know I haven't done any other reading. I've noticed any, but I, I know nothing about Carl Gallagher. But uh, this is another one. I'm assuming. Did you guys catch this? The scene where uh, the, one of the crew has to go do some business and and the other one has just done a favor and he says what can i do to pay you back and he's he or she says make me a sandwich <laughs> you know that meme no okay no i didn't know okay I so i thought notice. that that was uh, that was like uh what do they call this not a dog whistle but the sort of the positive version of a dog whistle a call <laughs> out <laughs> if, if that's yeah. what they're called um make me a sandwich and i'm looking at uh know your meme sometimes deliberately spelled misspelled as make me a sandwich is a catchphrase often used by male internet users to mock discredit or annoy female internet users playing off the sexist trope, which states that women belong in the kitchen. <laughs> um, and it, it is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, let me mansplain it to you. But I think in this case, it was a woman saying that to a man. Um, I can't remember the details, but, um, I thought that that was like, um, some of the playful humor that's going on in here. There's a couple other points that were sort of meta moments, but uh, that was, you know, like, uh, aren't we all cool living here in the 20, uh, 2019s or whatever, <laughs> um, section. And I, I mean, I like that stuff and I'm sure sh- one of the things that I really appreciate about reading old stuff is I'm much more familiar with, um, the period, than most people probably are because I've been reading so much of it, so I, I you, you sort of start to appreciate, like uh, for example, if you picked up uh, the insidious Doctor Fu Manchu, right, you would say, oh God, this is so racist and blah 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 and all that, <laughs> um, and you'd be right. Um, but uh, that whole trope of uh, the yellow peril is is just it's throughout that period. So you, when you start seeing it as a, a period thing, you become much more, um, appreciative of it. And you say, oh, I see what you're doing there. Right. And I feel like I'm not fully equipped to deal with modern stuff because if they're throwing in those references and they aren't big enough, uh, I, I'm not paying, ta- I'm not paying attention to the meme, memes out there. Like, my students are, you know, like dabbing. It took me a long time to figure out mm. what the fuck the kids are talking about. <laughs> and when I figured it out, like, I don't need to know about this. <laughs> so if you wrote a book in which everybody is dabbing all the time, <laughs> I would not want to read that book, probably. But uh, I assume now, there's what other is stuff
2: dabbing? Like that. Is it is it is it drug taking?
0: Uh, dude, it's <laughs> I'm sure it is, but it's just a dance move, basically. Ah, okay. It's not important. And <laughs> it's like suddenly a student will dab. Oh, <laughs> so yes, I get that all the time. Okay. Well, why did they do it? Because it's a meme, right? Yes. I mean, uh, it's, it's funny because it's it's like um we're talking about, Terrence, you're thinking uh, humans are not equipped to do this sort of calculation, right? Um,
2: not um, in space. Well, not why do the you forces say that? At the speeds. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, there, there, there's... Even with a slide rule, you can't do it. It's impossible?
2: Maybe landing well, is okay, but I wouldn't trust, um, on a big spaceship that can carry lots of people, I wouldn't trust a pilot uh, landing using instinct and experience and a slide rule. You know, they but, did
0: that with the, airplanes for a long time before the...
2: Yeah, well, the <laughs> uh, the factors are... Uh, uh, the powers of 10 are a lot higher so true. a little a little correction is going to involve um more force and and more rapidity but maybe but um e- doing evasive action in 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 space uh i don't think it's possible mm-hmm. i th- i think that's part of the fantasy element
0: you might be right um i i think people can get really 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 good at stuff um and, uh, you know, there's a, there's a, some dude out there who, who does, um, arrows, you know, like bow and arrow trick shots. And there are, you know, trick shot shooters and stuff. And they're not normal people, right? They're, because they've been practicing all the time. But there's the kids, you know, the Mongolian kids who are up on the back of the horse, but they're using their legs to shoot. Arrow. There's a Chinese kid, I think, was shooting arrows with his feet. You know, at targets and hitting them. And they're not very far away, but there was a guy, um, I think the guy who did, uh, the, the, sh- sort of the trick shooting for, um, uh, Robin Hood, the, the Errol Flynn version. I think the guy who did that was, um, he was one of these guys who was, you know, he could take two arrows and shoot them and hit moving targets in the air as they're flying, you know at two at the same time right and and, mm. and the thing is is there is uh, it, you have to remember Terrence yeah. that thing upstairs is a computer right <laughs> in fact math math seems to be built into a lot of what humans are like that apparently monkeys uh and uh, apes are not so good at throwing but humans are are really good and we, we notice how much we appreciate when people do free shots and they get the shot in right there's whole memes of people. Well, yeah, trying to do that
2: dexterity and accuracy, but we're talking about um, uh, colossal weights, um, I- I- immense inertia, mm-hmm. um, all sorts of objects um, um, from all sorts of directions, different types of stresses, where you can't count on the atmosphere and the gravity. Um, Staying the same, which these um, these trick shotters uh, can count on. So um, I I think uh, uh, I don't think it's possible. Uh, it's it's a nice dream, but <laughs> I, I, as soon as, as soon as you've got lots of objects um, and you have to react fast, I don't think you can react fast and, and precise enough. Um, you may be right. Instinct right. is not going yeah. to do it. For, oh, car, for control Carl's situations it. like like landing, that's okay. Taking off, easy, I suppose. Except if you're on uh, some weird uh, astronomical formation with all sorts of obstacles. But why not? If you're well informed, you have your um, your almanacs and. I got really good um, at
0: Lunar Lander that game. You know. Oh <laughs> uh, yes. Well, <laughs> But that's it a really actually, controlled uh, situation. It's not like it a is. It's not even stage. left right. It's just up down, right?
2: And getting obstacles in the way, avoiding them, and getting them to cover you when uh, a superior um, ship is um, chasing you. I like the sort of um, uh, revenge that um, uh, what's her name, uh, Michi, um, is flying. By uh, by instinct, and uh, she beats the guy with the superior ship because he's on an automatic pilot, and he mm-hmm. can predict um, the routines. Mm-hmm. So I like that's libertarian flying,
1: and it could be <laughs> useful <laughs> yeah,
2: sure. sometimes.
1: If we, if we got to mention too. It'd be, it it would be interesting if Carl were here to defend himself because he is an <laughs> MIT engineer, and among other things that he's done in his Career, he has um, pl- uh, calculated trajectories for satellites. So he is a genuine rocket scientist. Mm. So uh, whether he was aware that he was uh, bending uh, possibilities here or not, or if he would be prepared to claim that he that this is possible, I don't know.
2: Here's the uh, trajectory I, for satellites. Once again, it's controlled um set of variables sure right.
0: so here's, here's and, and, i here's what i would he say He
2: probably wasn't doing it in real time if, most if of the time if you're worried
0: about if you're worried about uh you know the plausibility of stuff that's not the place to start because uh i think that that's part of the fun of the premise is that you know and and the thing is is they do have computers right they just don't have ones that are basically bigger than a calculator right so right. um the apollo uh calculator uh, the mm-hmm. one that can do Correct. all the Apollo mission shit. Um, that is not, I don't think, I don't think you could infect that with an AI, right? <laughs> um, it's not, it's not got enough uh, shit going on in it. And uh, ballistic computers like Heinlein operated, right? Uh, which is, you know, on a destroyer or whatever, where basically the battleship where you, you want to like a fire control, yeah, a fire control computer um, is, okay. is, I think where um, Heinlein's sort of uh, love of the slipstick shows up in a lot of his stuff is is that he's he's talking about these kinds of calculations and the that competency porn uh, aspect that you see um, in Larry Niven, right. although in a different way, it's not so much in in the personal you know ability to. You know, shoe a horse and, and uh, plow a field. Yeah, it, it, it's an calculator. old model. it's It's, yeah. it's
2: like um, climate science um, against uh, global warming deniers. Climate science is a, a systems. Uh, science. It's not like the old sciences where Galileo could take out a, a telescope and and be um, angry that people refused to look through his telescope and see the truth. Well, yeah, uh, it's more like climate the- science. You can't look at anything and see the truth. Um, you have to correlate lots and lots of data. I mean, I'm not saying it's the same in the rocket ship, but it's the same paradigm shift um, in terms of not um, being this sort of. Uh, clear, lucid um, image with a few variables, and you just have to be smart enough. Uh, there is a line in there accurate. where
0: basically she's not, she's doing the calculations, and it um, she eyeballed it and was off by five percent or something. Right. Um, the thing is, is I well, think you get uh, the, uh, beyond. Let's get past that because I want to say you know like the spaceship engines. Yeah. Uh, we don't have that tech, <laughs> right? Um, and they use, the, there's, a, uh, there's all sorts of explanations. You know, they have to heat up and cool down and the way... Wave- it's, it's a converter. So is, that's why I was wondering about torch
2: ship. Is it like um, the... Uh, I think even Heinlein has it. The, the, the torch inter- ship converts yeah. mass directly to energy and can go with a, a build up over time to very close to the velocity of light.
0: Yeah, and they don't – I don't think they – they didn't go that way. They talk about converters. Yeah.
2: They talk about converters. And and that's in Uh,
0: There's a book uh, fix-up by Heinlein called Universe in which they've got a generation starship that has a converter, right? So and when somebody dies, they don't do a burial at sea. They put them in the converter, right? Hmm.
2: Um,
0: Because it's just more shit to shoot out the back of the spaceship. Um,
2: and this is strange when they buried the guy um, who, d- who died. It was uh, John. Yeah. yeah. And this corresponds to one of my objections to the Martian. They just polluted um, a pristine uh, astronomical object. And on the Martian, he just did that all the time, he just ripped stuff off and, and threw it on the ground. And I thought that was a horrible uh, model for how to treat Mars. And they just uh, think nothing of it. They, um, they just stick him in uh, um, some sort of uh, um, gerrymandered uh, coffin and stick him into the, the ice on the, on the asteroid. I prefer converting. I would prefer converting people.
0: Well, at least you get, uh, you know, you're useful. <laughs> yes. There's, uh, uh, I, I did a show not very long ago, um, not with you, Terrence, it was before you. Um, uh, you might have heard the show, Citizen of the Galaxy, um, yes. Highlands Novel. Um, and part of that is set on the ground, and then part of that is set in space. Um, it reminds me that there's some connection here, that one of the things is... Um, is there's a sort of a whole espionage aspect to this book you probably didn't haven't got to yet, Terrence. Um well, I, I've uh, seen the signs of it. Yeah, it's right in the opening scenes, right? Um, yes. um and that it turns out to be uh where where the main character of uh Citizens of the Galaxy gets roped in is his boss is a spy, <laughs> right? Spy master in a certain sense. And that book yeah. is a whole uh, got a whole lot of connections to kim the i was just thinking of that rudyard kipling novel right but the second half of the book um is about um the finnish um torch ship operators who live in space right and uh, they're clannish they don't depend on other uh planetary based humans and they spread their genes like in your book uh or your short story rocket, uh, rocket raising. Um, um, but I'm reading, uh, I'm getting close to the end of, uh, the new, um, uh, book by, uh, Jared Diamond called, uh, some, what's, crisis? I think it's called. Maybe that's not what's called. Got it on my phone here. Um, but, uh, there's a whole section, um, what I would have been much better equipped. Like I knew about the Winter War in Finland. Um, and I was, uh, appreciated. It's called upheaval. That's what it's called turning points, um, in nations. And he looks at seven countries and how they deal with different kinds of crises that, that happen to them and, uh, how that is paralleled in humans, you know, because a state is kind of like a human in a certain sense. It has a psychology, it has a history, and, um, it can, lash out or it can um, you know become zen or whatever um, and Finland uh, had a unique sort of difficulty um, in that uh, it was invaded by Russia or Soviet Union and um, they had way fewer population and not very well equipped and yet they managed to somehow not get totally destroyed and and then um, Heinlein was reading about this obviously at the time and about the braveness of the uh, the Finns against the Soviets. And uh, some of this you could see as, oh, Heinlein's against communism, right? But some of it is, uh, you know, just admiration of that thing. And so when you get that, um, the ship spirit and uh, the kind of what we see in this book is it's, yeah, people come on board so we actually have there's a character named abdul i think is his name who um leaves the the whack job religious folks and joins the crew and he's uh kind of like that main character in in a certain sense i i anticipate that he will be a uh you know be more than just the the adopted son uh in later books in the series so i really dig that um this book has a set of roots. I don't think Heinlein's ever shouted out in the book at all, but it sure feels like Heinlein's being homaged. Um, and maybe this book specifically, Citizen of the Galaxy. Um, because it's it a it's not the story of a, a Navy ship, exactly, right? It's a story of a free trader sort of thing. I think the, the Rolling Stones, I guess, is another, but that's a family-based one, whereas this is Chosen Family or something like that. Right, the crew of uh, the five folds, five no, it was five full. Five's oh, full. Five's full. So I guess that's right. like four, four fives because that was the winning hand. Is that how the ship got its name? Something like that. Yeah, a poker reference. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was another. Uh, yeah. Oh, that was the other reference. I guess the M S Burrito. <laughs> <laughs> so again, another you know burrito. I think I think um, uh, Will Wheaton had a podcast that had burrito in the title. Just because it's sort of, a, of burrito.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, the the thing that sort of the 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 aspect of the book that I found kind of amusing mm-hmm. uh, uh, in a weird way was the food that they served on the mm-hmm. ship and uh, the menus. Seem extremely like middle America from you know middle of like fifties like something you'd be served. There's lasagna. Your mom would yeah. serve you. Yeah. So yeah, Cassaroles. or meatloaf. And then of course, <laughs> on the other hand, when they run out of the good food, then they all have to eat algae cakes, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is uh, An a algae bit case. of a old-fashioned science fiction trope. Mm-hmm. Also, that uh, the idea that algae cakes are you know, there's always somebody struggling to come up with a way to make the algae cakes taste better, and uh, that, could, I, I love that could be a
2: running joke. <laughs> I love it in all its forms. <laughs> okay. Everybody says it tastes bad. I, I really like it. Well, my wife doesn't like it, but, so I don't. I eat it less. Um, in I've Korea, been it less for the last forty uh, years.
0: But everybody eats some um, seaweed, right?
2: Yes. It's Um, great.
0: And they, they call in Korean, it's gim, g-i-m. Um, gim. (laughs) So you have like some rice and it has gim on it. And oh, yum, yum. Everybody loves it. It's salty and it's, it's, it's got a flavor. I (laughs) I wouldn't say it's terrible, but I don't want to live on it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think there, there's, uh, some definitely some good stuff in here. It's got, it's got, uh, not just jokes and, um, sex scenes. Uh, the sex scenes are, are relatively well handled. I'm not a big fan of dropping them in there, but um it serves i guess the care it's more character based than I almost want it to be. and the plot is so episodic that it it's hard not to think of it as as a just it's just a continuation of Firefly, except maybe it's better than Firefly in the sense that uh, it it cares about things that I care about more than Firefly did um And, uh, and like, one of the things I liked about the details of the ship is as, as the story's going along, we're never spoon-fed anything. Um, it's very well rendered. Um, it doesn't do the Heinlein info dump very often. Uh, and when they're, when, when we get info sort of dumped on us, it's, it's not too much. It's just enough. But the, like, the fact that they've got, uh, the main character needs to, oh, I guess she's the main character needs to get rid of a, data crystal, and they feed it into the converter, right, and and then we see it being destroyed um, through that system, and then there's water moving around, and when you put the water in, uh, when they're loading up for reaction mass, right, um, make sure it's cold. That'll make us be able to go longer. Dump out the warm water. Oh, right, yeah. right. Now, like And the fact that they're moving water around the ship as, I guess, a shield as well as a um, uh, radiation um like a radiation shield, but also radiating heat out yeah. um and there's some i would say it is hard science fiction I would say that uh it's hard science fiction that is more focused on characters than I normally see, and so it fits in a uh that tradition of hard hard s f but yeah, there's some gimmies, and the gimme number one is the the galactic rocket ports. Um, I thought that the the Butlerian Jihad elements were just an excuse to uh, get out the slipsticks. <laughs> yes, <laughs> um, because it, it, it's
2: magic. Um, we we're stuck with slide rules and stuff that I know because I'm an engineer. Because magic happened, and we we've got to be careful about that. Mm-hmm. And we've got um, uh, portals, but that's magic, no human can maybe in 150 years a human because we're getting we the terraformers are getting smarter and smarter we'll one day get a human that can understand So you the know gates, on firefly the which way they it, dealt it with neil, asher, neil asher uh, has the the same thing the ais do the gates and no human without massive um, uh, implants can uh, uh, use the gates or uh, understand them
0: maybe you, you, haven't Moon,
2: the, I think you haven't
0: got to the part in the book where they said they're getting five percent smarter <laughs> yes uh, with, with, um the terraformer gets on she says we're getting smarter
2: um and um we know that within 200 years i think it is we'll have somebody smart enough a uh, human smart enough to understand the gates yeah
0: we'll but see. still then it's it's ai um only Uh, we'll see if carl gallagher writes for 200 years and (laughs) (laughs) and he comes up with an explanation we Uh, should freeze him (laughs) freeze him and then unfreeze him wake him up and tell him we we should freeze ourselves
2: and wake up when he's he's found the answer
0: so yeah the look the way they dealt with in firefly is one of the things i liked about firefly is they're trying to do i mean they had gravity on their ship right um, on Firefly, they're walking around right. at artificial yep. gravity. Uh, Star Trek, it's a gimme. But thing about Star Trek, it's not hard science fiction. It's social, socio- it's soft science fiction. It's sociological science fiction. Yeah. It's it's not. It's um. It's uh. In some aspects, it's it's metaphor. Um, plus, plus, when you're filming,
1: you know, to do. Zero gravity. I haven't seen um, it ex- visually. It's just a massive pain in the neck.
0: Yeah, I haven't seen much of the expanse, but um, the way they explain it in this, everybody's in crash couches a lot of the time. I think some of the gravities um, are too mm-hmm. uh, too extreme for like. I know. The, yeah, I wondered about that too. Uh, yeah, some of these accelerations just seem not, like they would kill you. Some of them will kill you, and obviously they were worried about that in the book. But I think, I mean if he's uh if he's uh involved in rocket engineering and uh is really passionate about that he probably knows a little better than me but my recollection is that forty gravities is enough to fucking kill anybody um you know they did in the sixties they were doing all those uh, centrifuge experiments on on people to yeah. you know see what's going on and uh, yeah uh, there's um lots of that in Heinlein where you know how many gravities they're pulling and with the design of the ship to, so that you can walk under certain number of gravities. And then you can put people in sort of liquid environments so that the, uh, the cushioning effect is more spread out over the surface of your whole body rather than right. That's what the waterbed sort of thing from, mm-hmm. um, uh, stranger in a strange land is about. Right. There's also a debate, um, on, um,
1: how much variation in gravity on a planet can, can will humans be able to tolerate and be able to thrive on that planet? Right. Like, you know, if you've got double the gravity, you might be able to visit it and walk around. But uh, do, do you want to raise your children on that planet? I don't think so. Uh,
0: well, <laughs> uh, the, th- so I, yeah, I, I was going to say, I, I don't think I mentioned this. I, I was going to say it though. I'm going to say it now. Um, on the in the Firefly universe, it's mentioned very briefly. Um, despite the fact that they've got the artificial gravity, is that they're all? It's all in one solar system, right? So right. all of these planets spinning around. There's dozens and dozens of worlds. I guess maybe it's in the opening credits or something. Yeah,
1: and and I, the, people have written articles trying to make that work, and right. they say, well, if you have several gas giants, right. Within the Goldilocks zones, and each one has a whole bunch of moons that are exactly. large, et cetera. Yeah,
0: yeah. But and it's, and it's fun. It's fun. Um, but doing that's a lot easier than you know getting the gates going because then at least you have. But once you got artificial gravity, uh, to me everything's off the table. So uh, yeah.
1: it,
0: it, typically, well, if you had a,
1: like if you had a double or a triple star system, you might have two stars you know, less than a light year away, and each one of those has their own um, you know, system of planets, etc.
2: So
0: when I when still I still a large
2: year traveling a large year is going to take time.
1: About I, a year, yeah. <laughs> or a two. No. Maybe yeah. uh, yeah, no, more, more than a year. More than a year, yeah.
0: When I was uh, traveling to the UK and Europe uh when I was a kid, uh well, that one time, I picked up in one of the London um train stations. Uh, I don't remember which one. Uh, there was a book stall, and I picked up the Rolling Stones, a.k.a. Space Family Stone. I think that's probably the UK title. Um, and that's mm. that's uh, the family flying around the solar system, right? Um, and it does take them time, and they stop on Mars and pick up some flat cats, <laughs> which turned out to be sort of one of the origins for um, the Tribbles on Star Trek, right? Mm-hmm. You guys remember... The, uh, tribbles. Oh, yeah. you, If you don't yeah. remember the Tribbles, you won't remember, uh, the flat cats. But, um, that, uh, idea of, you know, you go from one place, one port to another, bringing your cargo. Um, another aspect <laughs> of this being unrealistic. I mean, this is the thing, right? Is, is, um, try and find a, uh, a, a tramp freighter today, right? If you remember uh, the original Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, There's this tramp freighter um, and the captain, I can't remember his name, but uh, he has a name of an African country as his name, or maybe it was a river as his name. Um, And they're carrying the thing back from Egypt or whatever. And then the Nazi submarine shows up and blah, blah, blah. So that idea of the tramp freighter, it's it's an independent cargo ship, right? What happened to all those? Independently owned. Yeah, what happened to all those? Where'd they all go? They're all gone. What happened? Well, international capitalism ate them all, right? Put them all out of business. And now there's like three companies that ship everything around. Well, I don't know how many companies there are, but it ain't, it ain't 80, right? That ship stuff all around the world. And there are no independents there. There's no guy going into port in Vancouver and loading up on timber and carrying it down to San Francisco and loading up on, I don't know, dildos or whatever it is they have, <laughs> for sale. No, it'd probably be Silicon, uh, uh, software. Nah, you wouldn't move softer. Silicon hardware, right? Um, and taking yeah. it across like that—that that idea is gone. Mm-hmm. So another fantasy element is that that you can have a a Millennium Falcon style uh, independent operator. Uh, yeah. They don't exist anymore. Even like even the um, uh, you know, fisher fishermen. Uh, most fishermen can't be independent anymore either, unless they're you know just hobbyists. Because the economies of scale are just too strong. So the idea of uh, this crew flying around in a spaceship and trying to make a living, paying off their mortgage, that's all fantasy-based, too. Unless you posit this idea that there's a, a war surplus, right? So after World War II, there's tons of uh, B-2 bombers and, more importantly, D.C. Uh, Dakotas um, that... Uh, they just sell off and then independent companies spring up, you know, freight companies. And then mm-hmm. over time, those get replaced by uh, DHL and uh, whatever the brown company is called, um, uh, FedEx and all that, right? So that th- there is this – if you don't look at sort of the boom and bust cycle of of um, industries, um, you're being as – uh naive <laughs> as thinking that the kings will be kings forever, right? Uh, it, it strikes me right. um, like I was just looking at history of um, Europe and which countries turned fascist and why, right? When the revolutions in the com- countries happened and what effect that had on whether they were were fascist at the time when fascism was popular, fascism's not popular anymore. Sure, there are things you could call fascist going on. But we're past that cycle. Now we're in something else and we're going to be able to nail it into another label much easier. Um, in 30 or 40 years, when we look back and say, ah, oh, that's what was going on. Right. So th- there are many ways of getting things wrong. The fact that you, you, you posit a, a gate at the edge of a solar system, like you have with Babylon five or this book. Right. And made by the old ones. Ah, yes. <laughs> the old ones yeah. understood. Now yeah. we're just using our, our, the Minbari have artificial gravity. How come the earthers don't have it? Well, you know, Minbari are elves, don't you see? <laughs> right. There's many ways of fucking up, uh, your story. And that's the, the fact that, uh, this guy, Carl Gallagher doesn't fuck it up Mo- more than, you know, we've already mentioned maybe that, uh, this doesn't work and that doesn't work. That's pretty good, because most of the time, I'm I'm just like I don't want. I, I've read a lot of modern stuff, and I don't like it. It's just it's Napoleonic era shit, and it doesn't make sense. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or you know, it's another more charitable way of putting it is it's just not for me, right? When I I I don't want to say it's Elizabeth Bear. Maybe it's not. It's another. Maybe another Elizabeth. Who wrote *Dita Paxenarian*? I don't know. uh, Elizabeth Elizabeth Hand? That's not right. Let's see. Uh, Uh, It's Elizabeth Moon. Okay. Ah, yes. So Elizabeth Moon's fantasy writer, good writer. I enjoy her stuff. Um, I think she. I think it's her who also writes um, uh, science fiction. I might be confusing her with someone else. But anyways, there's this one lady who writes science fiction and it's set on a spaceship and it's basically a, uh, the, maybe it's not her. Maybe it is. Anyways, there's this lady who really likes horses. <laughs> and so there's horseback riding on the spaceship and she goes down to a planet and does horseback riding. It's really the author likes horseback riding. Okay. <laughs> likes horses, likes doing horseback riding. And it's set in a science fictional setting, but anytime there's an excuse to do horseback riding, like, uh, it's just, it's just an excuse to do horseback riding. People write about what they know, I guess. And if if you, if you want to know more about horseback riding, (laughs) you can, (laughs) there's books for that, but I I guess there's stuff I don't want to know about like relationship fiction, don't care. Um, you know, horseback riding. (laughs) so i did care about the stuff that was going on in here there's a little bit too much uh romance for my taste but yeah good book i'm glad you brought it to my attention
1: excellent glad you enjoyed it
0: yeah um what has he got any other novels out there especially audiobooks
1: uh other than the other books in this series i don't know offhand and, what um, he's got?
0: He's not he's not uh, an old old guy, right? So he has no. Uh,
1: and this is his first novel. Oh, okay. Oh,
0: so well, that's pretty good. You for remember? First novel, yeah.
1: You remember the great? Um, his bio at the end of the book. He says Carl has written white papers, engineering proposals, blog posts, fanfic, trade studies, rants, graduate school papers, RPG adventures, operation orders, forum flames conference papers, oh, short life. stories, after-action reports, war game rules, satires, and a Sestina. This is his first novel.
0: Mm, uh, it's not in the uh, audiobook, that disclaimer. Uh, um, yeah. does look like... I'm, I'd love
1: to see that Sestina, by the way. Uh, what is that? Oh, that's a poetic form. Ooh. I don't remember offhand, but it's. I think it's one of the more complicated ones. So it's kind of famous just because it's hard a, a good Sestina is, is hard to find, basically.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, people don't like poetry in general, so um, if he's writing poetry, he's obviously writing for himself. Well, um, you know, it's a Sestina, so he obviously
1: thought, oh, here's a challenge. Mm.
0: You know? Yeah, um, it is a challenge. It, it's There's something to uh, the power of poetry. There is, uh, it says Lost War sequel and audiobook out, so that's new i don't know if lost war is that part of the same series i don't you know, the war I don't revealed know. okay
1: i think he's got you know now that i think of it i do remember he has about five novels out maybe oh, wow. roughly
0: yeah and uh is this you had read this one before you suggested it
1: no i didn't oh no.
0: okay well lucky for you i didn't hate it otherwise yeah you, yeah you hear a knock it. on your door and i would uh, tell you your government needs to be changed <laughs> <laughs> well, I was a little worried,
1: but you know, Carl's a sophisticated guy. He's you know self-publishing and self-promoting, and he yeah. knows Th- he knows that there's no such thing as bad publicity. So,
0: Uh yeah, uh, I guess that's. I mean, yeah, that's probably. I mean, true. I'm,
1: I'm a believer in that, and even even as long as people have read it and thought about it, if they hate it, it's still it's still going to be. I think it's it's still worth letting them do it in my opinion yeah no that makes sense. just completely idiotic uninformed in you know nonsense is is worthless in all circumstances so i guess that would be the thing
0: uh well and the you know if it's anonymous then you can't trust it right so if there's somebody so you, you go to the website and it has 18 reviews and they're all by you know Names that have no email associated with it, or
1: N- names that have underscores in them.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, or just there's a lot there's, uh, but the thing is, is we already a discriminating audience, right? People who actually read books, um, you know, if they're only audiobooks, they're still books, and yep. spending your time doing that is, is very strange. Why? I mean, uh, I I think it'd be interesting, not like are you seeing his uh business model as a business model cuz uh, w- one of the things i didn't talk about that i thought was really interesting is uh this book seems designed to fit into a certain uh market that exists right the fact that right. it's it's um yeah uh, and you know all almost all books are like that um and all things you know poetry is a weird like if you're trying to make a living as a poet good luck um, yeah, making dude. a living, uh, at out of writing fiction. Good luck. But poetry? Who the fuck are you kidding? Right? <laughs> nobody would even, nobody would even suggest that anymore. Right? It yeah. used to be, I want to be a poet. Oh, but that won't pay very much. Dude, like, uh, now if you said, I want to be a rock star, people would say, well, that's a hard road to hoe. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, um, but, uh, he's got a, I mean, the big dominant player, and because he's on Audible, right? Um, I think I, I'd be interested to know what his revenue is: ebook versus um, audiobook. Because well, we've discussed that in the
1: writing uh-huh. group. I don't think that I'm at liberty to well, divulge that my... information. But he is—he does take a business approach. He's got his spreadsheets, and he's shown them to the group. Mm-hmm. And you know, he's writing series because. And he's he has a lot of genre discipline, so mm-hmm. yeah, you're right. It's easier to, well, like whether, packaging, whether self-promoting, packaging. whether you're self-promoting or or uh, some publishers promoting you, it's just easier up front to get people interested in you when you fit a very uh, you know your yeah, predictable you're what your right? product
0: is. This is yeah. uh, this is my uh, my theory about. Uh, movie titles like what they do is they take a phrase that's already in the public consciousness right right and then they say let's let's make a movie with uh, i mean i can sell this movie just based on the fact that this this um it's usually a phrase like um axis of evil or something like that right something that's already in the public consciousness but has no copyright over it so you know another way to do that is you say ghostbusters again Right, We do another Ghostbusters yeah. movie, but you have to pay for Ghostbusters. You don't have to pay right. for yeah. um,
2: right. you know, Axis
0: of Evil. It's in the public consciousness. So once you get right. that going, um, you've already half-sold your product. Now, knowing what your market is, um, the thing about Audible, and I'm focused on this part um, uh, because I'm an audiobook guy, right, is Audible has most people not buying outright, but rather using credits, and right. i i think that this makes a disposition towards um a certain length of novel so that people feel like it's worth using their credit on versus not worth using um, their credit on if you've got a short story and you use a full credit on that you feel like you didn't get enough even if it was a better story right you want oh well, yeah d- dollars for m- money for dollar no dollars per hour basically um and yeah. w- w- i was just looking at my uh, pubg stats uh Player unknown battleground uh, stats, how many hours I played um, versus how much I paid for it. I probably paid like 50 or 60 bucks for it. But I played Mm -hmm. 1,800 hours. (laughs) 1,800 hours is a lot of hours. So if you do the math on that, I'm getting a fucking great deal. And computer games are your real enemy (laughs) in terms of um, market share and trying to right. get right. So if, if you're, if you're doing the spreadsheets and doing the calculations, you have to figure out what the length of book is and what it should be versus like, if you give a five hour audiobook for one credit, people are going to spend less money on that just on average than if it was 11 hours, like this book. Yeah. is. Or if it's 20 hours, you're spending too much because people are getting it for free and they want to get two credits. Uh, you know, the company wants two credits or the, writer wants two credits, um, then people are like, hmm, I could have a better, cheaper book for that other price. And they're just buying it like they're buying rice, right? They're buying it by the volume versus the cost. And there are other calculations, yeah. but um, series, right, is actually much better for an author if you can get a series going. Right. Um, and we've known this not just in Audible, but also in, uh, you know, Tor and all them, right? Uh, s- series are great uh, for yeah. movies and all sorts of things because it it's again you pre-sold your audience and all that so what I thought was interesting here is that he's basically taken a very episodic format basically a bunch of short stories that could have been strung together or as they used to call it when they cha- transitioned from uh, paper um, pulp magazines to uh, in the late 50s early 60s the paperbacks they call them fix-ups right yeah right. where you take a bunch of short stories and string them all together um illustrated man is a good example of that right um <laughs> bradbury not known for his novels uh, has many novel length short story collections that are or the uh, martian chronicles right which a bunch of short right. stories all strung together yeah. um it's it's the ability to take uh story structure and fitted into a way of making a living out of it. Kind of interesting. Um, but I think it also has all those market deformations. And that's one of the reasons I don't want to read more of this book. Don't take that as a recommendation not to read this book if you are a regular person. Um, if you're me, um, who's whack job. <laughs> <laughs> Jesse, any regular listener of this podcast yeah.
1: knows knows that you're a lunatic. Well, yeah, so no, no, but the
0: but the thing cool. is, is there will be more people listening to this one who are not regular listeners because I'm talking about something that they think might be fucking relevant uh, to their lives, rather okay. than the Elf Trap, a story okay. from like 1912 or whatever, right? They, they've heard okay. of this book, right? If I do a modern book, I get a different audience. That's true. And if I do a classic book, I get a different audience. Yeah, oh.
1: somebody's Googling Torch Ship, oh, do I want to read this book, and then they'll stumble across this, this Usually podcast.
0: it'd be the other way around. It'd be like um, they read Torch Ship, and then uh, they go and list to it as my thinking, oh. but... I see. Yeah. I don't... Uh, who knows? We don't know how... How did you find me, Terrence? Um, other than awesome.
2: <laughs> I don't know. It was a long time ago. Uh, I think we said uh, uh, it wasn't Right at the beginning, but it was around ten years ago yeah. and um, I might have been I was just looking uh, for I several things timeline yeah. and, and 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 the Hobbit and uh, both of them um, came back to your podcast so I started looking at the historic and, and following it.
0: Yeah. Um, Pick people up all the so, time, but uh, it it becomes very nebulous after a certain point in time. Like when, how, how you like? I, I remember how I've discovered uh, science fiction book review podcast. Um, Luke's podcast It's because he had done a show on Robert J Sawyer's books, or uh, a Robert J Sawyer book, and he did a. Well, maybe that wasn't the first one, but that's the one I remember. I As like, wow, he really got it. <laughs> Basically, saying he. He's got good ideas and can't, doesn't understand humans. <laughs> his 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 he's like an AI trying to simulate human emotions. <laughs> oh, that's
2: true. Easy. I remember that one.
0: <laughs> it's a it was good. It was good uh, analysis, and I think I mentioned it on a podcast, and that's how we hooked up that way. So um, it is. It's it's really interesting to see um, all the stuff that's going on. Um, and I'm glad to hear there is a, a pretty hard SF writer, um, somehow making a living doing that. Because if he is, well, or approaching making no, a living,
1: not a full time living. No, means, uh, right. but I, dude, he's not he's, Stephen King. He's he's got a revenue stream, and he's managing it, and he's got a plan,
2: and it's you know, he's trending upward. <laughs> That's good. Yes, I think there's a a, a space for it because. I think um, somewhat, somehow he's somewhere between um, Kim Stanley Robinson, who's mainly sticking to the solar system and went to Aurora, but, um, spoiler, uh, was not fit for human life, and uh-huh. they came back. And um, on the hard, well, I, on the hard spectrum, uh, but I call it hard engineering there, and um, Alastair Reynolds, which, who sticks to um uh, not faster than light travels, so there's no gates, um, but it has a sort of more um, cosmic scope.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And um, despite the gates, um, uh, uh, Gallagher, Carl Gallagher is in the middle, so it is a hard, uh, hard nails or hard uh, slides approach to um, <laughs> yeah. the 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 range of the um, of the world building. Mm -hmm.
1: You could could put Ian
2: M. Banks in there somewhere, too. But Ian M. Banks, doesn't he go further afield? He's got a a galactic empire. Yeah. Yeah, so that's... Maybe maybe um, less hard. There's the the sort of... um, It's not exactly mundane science fiction, but there's the thing of we're doing science fiction, but we're keeping it as close to what is really possible... As we can do, while still having a good story, mm-hmm. and I, I, th- I think the libertarianism everyone likes libertarianism, and anything, <laughs> of course, it's just anything bad about it you think it's an exception. So in in the book we, uh, if I'm looking for libertarian tropes aside from uh-huh. libertarian, um, driving a spaceship by the seat of your pants, there's um and the um the gun when they when they go to the gun um uh what do you call it the gun gun range. Yeah. yes, the gun range um libertarians that's a, a fetishism of Americans yes. um you have to be familiar with handling guns and other different types of guns and so on when i in Australia and in France I've never known anyone or I knew one person um who who did that um, did things with guns as a, as his sport mm-hmm. activity but um it's a sort of uh, obsession with um, Americans. It is a and fetish, exactly. Yeah.
0: Uh, well, you know, but it's like it's like collecting books, or but the thing is, is once yes. you uh, like, there's interesting, there's interesting stuff there, but it ain't that interesting? Um, and so, yeah, I I would say like it's never mentioned in here at at all. The word libertarianism, I don't think it's ever mentioned. On the other but hand, there are these I would not be I would not be surprised if in the next book there was a John Galt planet, you know, where some guy got all his his tech and said, I'm not sharing with nobody because they're not listening to my metal metal screeds or whatever. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I, I think aside from that, everyone does like libertarianism. An anarchist likes it. Um uh, uh, even a communist must like libertarianism once you get rid of the the acceptance of, of capitalist competition. I don't, and think, a I don't think China like likes it. Libertarianism because it's sort of the logical extrapolation of those things. So there's something
0: really attractive uh, about it's, it as well. Here's the secret, okay? Libertarianism is for 12-year-old boys. It doesn't make sense once you start thinking deeply about it. It it, the instinct is correct, right? You say, I'm a libertarian on social issues or I'm a libertarian on this issue, but we all have to live together. And if, if, if we're not living together, we're fighting. Um, and the best way to ensure that we're fighting is to have no rules and no precedents for, you know, like, how how to live together? We should collectively well, decide that, and that's called government. Yes, that's the equal <laughs> right, right? Well, let me let me push back just so a bit.
1: There is a continuum, of course. Of course, and there are times when, uh, or we should always be aware of that. that there's that you know hammer and nail situation. The person with the political power is always going to think that, oh, we have a problem. Let's solve that by throwing more political power on top of it. And so there should be always some. It's it's great to have someone in the room who's always going to be saying, are it you is. sure a govern y- using
0: political power to solve this problem is even the right approach? It, so this is what this is like why there's a American politician. I can't remember his name. His wife looks like an owl. He used to be Speaker of the House.
1: Oh, yeah. Newt Gingrich.
0: Newt Gingrich. So Newt Gingrich is a fucking idiot. However, he's standing around a whole bunch of people who are even bigger idiots than him, right? They're all corrupt, completely corrupt. But Newt read a book once, okay? So he thinks he's a super genius. What makes Ron Paul such a great politician, like he actually has good ideas occasionally and like is sort of self-consistent, is that he has principles. That those principles are kind of insane. Is sort of beside the point because he's consistent. He says, yeah. you know, I don't think right. we should be doing this. And then he tries to be consistent with that. And he is consistent with that. Right, right. Whereas everybody else there, they only have one doctrine, which is basically, um, how can I enrich myself and my family? How can I uh, wave the flag bigger so that people think I'm not a.
1: Oh, Jesse, come on. Don't, 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 don't do that. Um, typically people are motivated by fear more than than greed you think i think i think who's afraid who's afraid struggles for power tend to be if i don't grab the power my enemy will grab it i think so wow i think it's more because because i i guess my only objection is that you're kind of creating a caricature right now
0: am i i think so yeah okay well, uh, we, let's just lo- let's just look at the people who are running for president, right? There's there's a guy named uh, Biden, his son making fifty thousand dollars a month from uh, uh, the fact that he was vice president. Okay, well there are exceptions there's, to one. There's said a too. Trump, <laughs> who's all his kids are now, uh, you know, White House staff. Um, <laughs> and specialists. No,
1: but but right? Trump Trump seems to be acting a lot. Well, you know what, Look, I don't want to we start going back. Discussion. We start going back. I don't, honestly don't want you. I, you no, just
0: no, no. Ahead. No, no. I'm saying we go back. We got. Wait,
1: uh, are we done? Are we done recording?
0: Uh, almost. <laughs> 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 we start going back. Yeah. We start going back. I, I don't know why everybody hates Jimmy Carter so much. But my my theory is that he said some things that people didn't want to hear.
1: Um, I don't think he was a great delegator. I don't think that he was um, he was definitely a brilliant guy at some level but I
0: don't think Here's, here's the points in his favor in my view. Didn't start yeah. any wars um, uh, said some hard truths. Basically we need to be self-sufficient rather than um, and that is going to mean in the short term tightening our belts <laughs> and then Ronald Reagan uh, said fuck that shit um, made, made, doubled down on the petrodollar and said, we're going to defend Saudi Arabia at all costs and they're going to spend their money in US dollars and we'll, everything will be perfect forever. Um, and, and what went wrong. Was
1: that a direct quote?
0: Basically, yes. <laughs> I mean, I, I might have put some, uh, single, single quotes around it rather than double quotes, but the single quotes are accurate. Everything inside, <laughs> everything is going to be perfect forever. Um, the, uh, the helicopter's crashing and you know the fact that he had massive inflation and all sorts of economic problems i think are what people remember him as being a bad yeah. president for you know, it's but funny he didn't fucking kill
1: people he did things like deregulate the airline which um led to the really the democratiz- democratization of air travel which is completely contrary to what you think of as it, you would think of that as something more like what reagan would do but but actually Carter beat him to
0: it. Mm. Well, Reagan then broke the, the air traffic controllers union right after he promised them he wouldn't do that. I, I'm not trying to make it a contest. I'm just saying like of all the presidents in the, in the past little while, he's the one that's the least corrupt and least like Obama yeah. went into the presidency, not a millionaire, came out uh, multi-millionaire, right now. He's 40 million or something like that. And he did, he did very little corruption, uh, personal corruption, right? The, uh, so, my my thinking is, yeah, this is why libertarianism has a, such a strong streak in the straight, states is because they're saying we gotta we gotta starve the beast because the beast mm-hmm. is being milked, right? right. Um, and we don't well, want that and, milking to happen.
1: Um, you know, and most libertarians overlook the role that corporations. Uh, pl- yeah. You know, the, yeah. the power is c- accumulated by corporations <laughs> as well. Uh, I think that, um, on the other hand, uh, anti-libertarians are often naive about how regulation actually works in practice.
0: Oh no, you know, I, I, I get you know, I get that. It, yeah, I
1: wouldn't expect you to be naive necessarily. I mean, uh, you're kind of hard to pin down, so um, I wouldn't. Because I don't have an summarize. ideology.
0: I just, I just criticize them. That's my right. ideology, criticizing yeah. other ideologies. Right. In any case, vote communist. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't even, uh, I did vote yesterday. It wasn't even on the ballot. There, there are two communist parties in Canada. Uh, one is called the Communist Party and the other is called the Marxist-Leninist Party. I was looking at the Communist Party uh, platform. I agreed with everything on it. Now, I don't think that they're competent to implement it, uh, especially since they haven't got any candidates <laughs> in my local writing but uh yeah vote communist <laughs> actually can you vote anarchist because I, I really like the anarchists i, th- I think i think that they, they they know what's going on i think vote anarchist is an oxymoron isn't <laughs> that's it? what i'm saying yeah right but they do really they, they, they get a lot of the good stuff they they they, they understand how all this stuff works Oh,
1: my. I know Voting for anarchists is like joining the uh, Solipsis uh,
2: Brotherhood or That's something.
0: That's right. You're right. The Solipsis Brotherhood is at play. All right, <laughs> I'm going to press stop on one of these recordings.
2: On oh, one of them.
0: This has been the SFF Audio Podcast. Please join us at www.sffaudio.com. And thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, consider becoming a patron at patreon.com forward sffaudio.
1: Hey Jesse, let me just tell mm-hmm. you, uh, <laughs> my kids are home from college this weekend.
0: I'll will stop swearing as much as I normally do. Sorry. Good. Yeah, that would be <laughs> appreciated.
1: And also, uh, so a kind of you know
0: two and a half hour gab fest. Oh well, uh, that I, luckily we had last time I was yeah, on. Yeah, I only have uh, two hours, so and it's down to an hour and fifty five now. So uh, I I'll I'll, I'll be generous and say on, only an hour and fifty. Okay. <laughs> uh,
1: well, uh, yeah, right. Um, if if you could make it, if you could let us know when you've decided you're going to cut it off. <laughs> okay. Well, no, and no, then, no. I'll huh. say, we're, we're,
0: yeah.
2: So we don't go on talking, and then you publish it later when we thought we were talking freely.
0: Oh no, no, we're definitely as before. you did once. You, I do that regularly. Uh, everything's yes. recorded for posterity. And most of it's (laughs) going to be on the internet and you're going to have to live with your words. Yes. And then posterity will come
2: quicker for me because
0: (laughs) that's great. (laughs) (laughs) I love it.
1: Terrence, were we on about a month ago together? That,
0: uh, the elf trap, the elf trap. Yeah. cast The thousands. Yes.
2: This is, this is the opposite of the elf trap. (laughs)
0: <laughs> save it for the podcast yes right. save everything for the podcast that's right <laughs>